You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucinda Larnock. This is the WFHB Local News 4, Thursday, February 24th, 2022. Later in the program, WFHB News spoke with Shatoya Moss, Safe and Civil City Program Director, about this weekend's upcoming Black History Month gala celebration. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have a new edition of Voices in the Street, a public opinion poll from members of the black community in Bloomington done by WFHB's Youth Radio. More following today's feature. But first, your local headlines. On February 16th at the Bloomington City Council meeting, Mayor John Hamilton spoke in favor of incentivizing Catalent to invest in the Bloomington community. I wanted to speak strongly in favor of that and, and, and encourage your support for that. The scale of this investment, uh, potential investment by Catalent, both in terms of capital and jobs, is really extraordinary uh, as, as a matter and also extraordinary for a community of our size. Uh, Catalent is among our most significant employers, uh, and with this, uh, they will continue to be providing opportunities for people all across the spectrum of skill sets. Um, you you know, we work hard at the Cultivate uh, uh, growth among our employers to offer new jobs. Uh, that's a long game in economic development, and this is part of that, uh, evidenced by its been kind of 25 years of redevelopment at the at the Thompson site when we had a, a major loss of employer there. We are definitely seeing wage growth in Bloomington, also cost of living growth, and we really want to continue to see uh, growth in wages, which this is an excellent part of. Um, as you know, we are competing for this investment. Um, uh, from other options that Catalan also has. And the proposed tax abatement in front of you tonight is a strong demonstration of our commitment as a community to continuing to facilitate real career opportunities for our people. Director of Economic and Sustainable Development, Alex Crowley, recommended the council approve a tax abatement which would encourage Catalan to choose its Bloomington facility over other sites. Before I go into the details, I wanted to start with some preliminary thoughts, echoing Mayor Hamilton's earlier points. First, allow me to underscore how extraordinary the scale of this investment and job growth would be and how extremely rare this is for a community our size. The capital investment would nearly double the investment on the site since Thompson announced its departure 25 years ago. Second, we have to recognize that Bloomington is competing for this growth. Catalan has not made a decision yet about it, and, as they will detail later, they have other U.S. facilities with similarly strong biologics capabilities. We stack up well, but this investment is very much in play right now. Third, we have uh, designed this incentive to minimize our risk. If Catalan doesn't invest or grow jobs at these commitment levels, 
we are not out of pocket and they don't realize any value in the incentive. Furthermore, there's a statutory annual reporting requirement that will provide us an opportunity to evaluate Catalan's performance. And finally, and perhaps most important, while an abatement is provided to a corporation, the benefits of their investment and our investment are in the end real, realized by individual workers, people, who are given the opportunity to land jobs and careers both in the company and in the community through overall ec economic multiplication. Councilmember Kate Rosenbarger brought up concerns about the housing crisis and increasing population density. I, I think I share concerns about the housing market here in Bloomington, Monroe County, the region. Um, the, I mean, I think there was a comment that densification is happening in Bloomington, but um, our UDO basically has frozen our core neighborhood. Um, and I mean, 15 duplexes a year isn't going to really add to densification in our most sought after neighborhoods across the city. So um, I think this is, it's just like a little confusing for me. Hopewell is happening, but that's already kind of been talked about as, you know, part of the thousand, the thousand units we need a year before this is even happening. So it's another potential thousand. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just looking for discussion around the housing crisis because I, I, it's just a lot of folks, right. Needing homes, not being able to pay and, um, you know, just kind of echoing some concern from the UDO talks back in the day. Um, what about our road infrastructure? What about parking, traffic, plumbing? Um, it's just it's just a lot, I guess. So um, this is a kind of an in general question, but I just feel like it is a concern that people here already don't have places to live. And like, are there other like are is there any discussion about looking at the UDO again if we're bringing in another thousand people and like actually finding places to put them that's not on the outskirts or, you know, um, in apartments. Crowley said that the Urban Development Organization is looking into the housing situation and rethinking some aspects of the UDO to encourage more affordable housing in the future. Councilmember Steve Volan asked why Bloomington is being asked to be the sole provider in the tax abatement when surrounding counties would benefit from the additional income tax. Crowley said that the company is located within Bloomington's jurisdiction, and he did not think it would be feasible. Volan responded, saying that the city of Bloomington would have to pay for the infrastructure needed to make this expansion possible. I, I mean, I, I get that, Mr. Crowley, but you're still asking us to forego $1.5 million a year in taxes that will pay for the very resources that Catalan needs for its employees to get to them, the roads in the city the infrastructure that we're providing. I mean, there's a there's a reason for the taxes. They're they're put to this kind of use. And so the fact that people move around doesn't really help me as a Bloomington City Council member worried about Bloomington's budget that we're giving away half of this money is going directly into the coffers of other jurisdictions. Why should we give them a, more than half uh, of the money that I mean again, this is a we're, uh, you're asking us to subsidize the very jurisdictions where, I, I mean, I, I just don't understand how, how you can, uh, maybe that's just a, a comment. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. 
Councilmember Sue Scambarelli explained that she grew up in Gary, Indiana, and saw the effects of the steel mills shutting down. However, she said that Catalan has, quote, consistently underpromised and overdelivered in what they have done, unquote. Councilmember Jim Sims said that he would support the abatement. He was in favor of dealing with the issue of growth rather than the issue of decline. But I will support this. Um, two comments that I do want to make in, in, to end this. There's been a comment that we would forego tax revenue by giving the abatement. And I know that's kind of uh, uh, close to it, but I don't think that's the true cost. Um, and the way I think about it is what are you losing if we don't make the investment? So I, I tend to think about it that way um, a little bit more. And, then, and I said there was two thoughts. Here's the last one. And Mr. Crowley, I'm going to give you credit for this because it really hit home. We would rather have the challenge of dealing with growth instead of the problem of dealing with decline. I will support this and thank you all for your presentation this evening. The City Council will have a public hearing on the tax abatement at the next meeting on March 2nd and will then have a final vote following the hearing. The City of Bloomington will host the 2022 Black History Month gala celebration on Saturday, February 26th at 6pm. According to Shatoya Moss, Safe and Civil City Program Director for the Community and Family Resources Department, the event will be held over Zoom video conference with e-reservations available in advance through the Buzzcut Chumley Theatre. In a phone interview with WFHB, Moss discussed the role she played in the organisation of the event. I am the Safe and Civil City Director uh, for the City of Bloomington out of the Community and Family Resources Department. Um, my role is to focus on inclusion, diversity, and equity cultural events for the city and also the community. Um, so luckily that falls with Black History Month. Um, so I get to partner with local organizations as well as uh, look nationally at what other communities are doing for Black History Month and bring some of those celebrations um, to our own community. Um, so I do that in a, in a different manner of ways, whether it's just through the collaboration and supporting other community events or throwing city-sponsored events, such as our kickoff celebration or our City of the Black Community or even our essay contest. And of course, that all leads into our Black History Month Gala. Moss walked through what event goers can expect at the upcoming gala celebration. She says it may look different than years past. So for this year, it is our 18th annual gala, and it is going to be structured a little bit differently than our past galas. Obviously, with the COVID pandemic, we had to uh, structure it a little differently just to keep our community members safe. Uh, fortunately, this year's Black History Month theme is Black Health and Wellness. So what a perfect time to actually put on some health and wellness programs. So we will be at Woolery Mill from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. this Saturday, where we will offer free COVID vaccinations, both the Moderna and the Pfizer, as well as free testing, boosters, and some other health screens. Um, community members, um, if you're a ticket holder of the gala or not, are all welcome to come. Again, that's 9 to 5, um, and they can just enter through any door at the Woolery Mill and park anywhere that they like. No appointment necessary. They'll also pick up some amazing health information from IU Health, uh, Moreau County Hospital, as well as the Community Voices of Health. For our two-part event, um, so that gave us two parts this year, um, 
The second part will actually be the virtual gala itself. So we are still uh, selling tickets up until this Friday where community members can purchase tickets. Those ticket holders will have the option to just purchase the link or they can do the link along with a gala gift and a meal. So for those purchasing the link, they'll be able just to tune in at 6 p.m. Um, where we'll be featuring our uh, Outstanding Black Leaders of Tomorrow, which is an award that is given out by the Commission on the Status of Black Males, as well as our 2022 Living Legend recipient this year. Uh, we'll also be having some trivia, some music, our silent auction. We'll have a live DJ and host. So it's going to be a really great time. For our ticket holders that will be purchasing the link as well as the mill and the gala gift, will also be invited to come to Woolery Mill to pick up their meal between the times of three and five, as well as their Black History Month gala gift. Now, in past, we have always given out a gala gift, and it's always just kind of like a little bit of a token just to kind of remember, you know, the celebration and to thank our guests for attending the gala. Uh, because we are, we are not able to be in person this year, we have really focused our efforts on promoting Black businesses. So the gala gift box, is themed around Black health and wellness. So everything that it contains is health and wellness promotion. Um, but also it is filled with items that are through are owned by Black businesses. So you'll find a water bottle, you'll find an Amanda Gorman book. Virginia DeFiri owns popcorn with a twist. She has made a special custom Black History Month popcorn blend for us, a local tea vendor, and also some national Black-owned business brands. So we're really excited to be giving out this box we're really excited to have the community come out and utilize these free health resources. And we're super excited just to be celebrating the, the month and all of what our community has done. So you'll definitely see some highlights from some other community events uh, show up in the gala. As Moss outlined, the theme for the event is Black Health and Wellness. She explained what that theme means to her. Black health and wellness is very crucial, especially in the state. There's been so much contribution through African-Americans, as well as legacy and inventions. First open heart transplant was done by a Black doctor. We have Henrietta Lacks, who is essentially the the DNA marker for all vaccinations. Um, so there's just so much history there. And it's gotten overlooked, obviously, through the years. And this year, we were able to really shine a light on some of those those Black contributors. Luckily, through our Black History Month essay contest, we were able to select, I believe, up to 11 to 15 Black doctors, innovators, inventions, hospitals, et cetera, for students to learn and read and write about. And so we're doing that educational piece and really hoping that a lot of our community members get to learn something new, even though this history has been around forever. Um, sometimes it just takes someone to kind of bring it to the forefront for you. So yeah, definitely just celebrating the Black um, legacy in health and wellness, but also really promoting Black health and wellness today. Uh, we see a lot of information coming out about mental health in the Black community, also just personal health and just trying to stay healthy when we're in a, a season of not only COVID pandemic, but our, our normal things of the cold and the flu. And so just really trying to promote people to just stay healthy in general. And that's both on a internal health as well as external health to do things that make you happy. <laughs> We're hoping some of those items in that box will put a smile on people's face, and that just makes a complete difference. So that's what we're really trying to focus on, the Black health and wellness piece, and really just getting people to a, a better understanding of their options in our own community as far as health and wellness, and also making sure that those options are available um, and inclusive. 
Again, the gala will take place on Zoom. Moss touched on how the virtual video conference aspect of the event will change how it normally unfolds. So community members obviously can watch in the comfort of their own home. They will be able to have obviously their gala gift and their gala meal um, that they have pre-purchased along with their ticket. Um, they will still be able to interact. So we will have, like I said, a live auction going on so community members can still uh, participate in that. We usually have an in-person auction during our normal gala as well as some trivia bits. Um, we hope that uh, community members will engage with us online through, you know, hashtags and showing us what they got in their gala gift boxes. Um, and we actually have some community members that still like to dress up, so we always ask them to send us, send us their photos to, you know, let me see your gala look. So we're super excited to still try to celebrate and commemorate Black History Month as a whole. And like I mentioned, this is the first year that we are doing a two-part event. Uh, usually gala is just kind of an evening event, and, and those who are invited or excuse me, purchase a ticket and come um, are the only ones who really get to experience that. We are fortunate enough to be able to do something like this over Zoom conferencing where we can record record the entire event and um, let it live on as a legacy for those who want to go back and view it um, at another time. And it's also a nice keepsake for our award winners. So it does have its, its pros. And we're really excited about the pros piece of this. And, and we can kind of see ourselves moving forward, hopefully with another in-person gala next year. But obviously, we'll take some pieces that we learned from this year and apply those. We find that community members really like to have these options. In light of the upcoming event celebrating Black History, Shatoya Moss described what Black History Month means to her. So I am a Black woman. So Black History, to me, is, is my, my lifestyle, my ancestors. And then also there's going to be those who come up behind me. And this is just for my own personal sake. It's more than just a month celebration. I like to talk about Black History and beyond except for just Black History Month because Black History happens every single day. It doesn't happen in just a singular month. So for me, it's how did we start and where are we going? And obviously for Black African Americans, it's ever-changing in the cultural aspects of, you know, how Black Americans got to this country and then how Black Americans have really embraced the country and things that we have done in this country. And those things should be highlighted, you know, just as well as our counterparts. So for me, it's making sure that we are talking about those aspects, talking about that history, but also looking forward to some of the great things that our Black community members, as well as our, our counterparts, are able to come together and do together. For a city aspect, it's definitely showing up and seeing that, you know, Bloomington has a lot of great community members here that are from Bloomington, have given their time and their energy to Bloomington, and have really made some changes in stride. Uh, we got to witness that on February 1st, where the, the street sign, Jordan Avenue, was changed over to some historic Black families that have done a lot for Bloomington. And I was really appreciative of that because, you know, being that I am not from Bloomington, I got to learn something about the Black history of Bloomington. And hopefully others will now, you know, start to engage and start to understand that, hey, you know, some of these things didn't just happen out of nowhere. There were people here making strides. There were people here making a difference. And we're, and we're grateful for that because now we get to benefit from that here in the future. So kind of just that overall package of, you know, understanding where we came from, but, you know, looking forward to where we're going. But also, you know, just, just kind of keeping those things in the forefront. There's some history there that, that we ought to know and we, we should celebrate it. 
For more information, you can visit the Buzzcut Chumley Theatre's website at bctboxoffice.org. Up next, we have a new edition of Voices in the Street, a public opinion poll from members of the Black community in Bloomington done by WFHB's Youth Radio in honor of Black History Month. We turn to Youth Radio's Wilder Mouton and Marty Abadi. This is Voices in the Street, WFHB's monthly public opinion feature, providing the members of our community the opportunity to have their voices heard. This month, our correspondents interviewed members of the Black community here in Bloomington to get their perspective on the importance of Black History Month, asking, Do you think it's important to have a Black History Month? Why? Yeah, I think it's really important to have a Black History Month just because I think Black history is often forgotten in America. I think Black people are foundational to this country's success or whatever you want to call it, and it's often, like, looked over. Yes, of course, because we made history. Like, there would be no history without Black people. Of course I think it's important. You know, I'm African-American myself, so... There's a lot of people out here that don't really know much about African-American history. So I feel like even if you're not African-American, everybody here, everybody at least has one or two peers that they know that's African-American. So even if you have one person in your life that is, you should know all about their history and know their circumstances or, you know, just pretty much everything about them that you can. If if, if you consider them a family, if you consider them a loved one. I think it is important to have a Black history year, Black history eternity. I don't believe in just that we have to be confined to just one month. You see what I'm saying? I think that there's a lot of history that the world needs to know about us. And I think that if we all just take that one minute to accept that maybe we can learn something every day instead of just the shortest month in the year, maybe we can get somewhere. No, I don't think it's important to have a Black History Month. It doesn't take a time period of a month to remember the history if you really want to remember it. It should take a little more than that. It should take a lifetime to really treasure that history if you're Black you know, or if you're white. Because that history means a lot to everybody. So the month aspect should be questionable. I think it is important, mostly because black history is really American history. We've been here almost as long as many of the colonizers were. We kind of built the country off of our backs. So yeah, I think that at least having a month to dedicate to us would be nice. How do you engage with Black History Month? How does it make you feel? I engage with it in my own spiritual being. It's not like a month thing to me. It's like my life. Black history is happening all in my life. <laughs> Just to have a, a month commemorating it, I guess it's maybe it's a sign of respect. But then I think that black history should be focused on, like, I think all history should be focused on all the time. Not equally necessary, but as much as they are important, I think black history is, like, not paid enough attention, like, every month outside of February. And even in February, honestly. I'd just be blacker, you feel me? I try to read one Black History Month book just to dig deeper myself, you know, because I don't know everything. Like, I learn something new every day. I try to educate some of my white friends, you know, even not white, Asian friends, you know, anybody that's not black, I'm educating everybody. I make people aware, and sometimes that could be 
nice. Sometimes it could be violence. It depends on how they want that question answered. Spreading awareness and spreading our history and our culture however I can, whether it be social media or events and stuff like that. I'm Haitian, so I, I, I try to throw my uh, Haitian flag on. Before I was kind of like into society, but then when I was like, I kind of don't want to participate in that. And then I was like, okay, well, let me just kind of focus on myself. And that's what's all black history. I don't really do something to say, well, that was for Black History Month. Not even Black History Month. I think I believe in supporting black history all the time. Fixing people's misconceptions about, you know, whether it be Africa or like enslavement or reconstruction and just like racism and how it exists today. It's weird, but I feel a little more empowered than I usually would. How has your experience been as a black individual in America? My experience has let me thank God every day that I am a black man. Uh, me personally, I haven't had too many bad experiences, but like any like racist things happening to me. But I know a lot of people that have. And it just it just that makes me sad knowing that there's people out there that does go through racist things in their life. And I haven't done I haven't dealt with any of that personally. Like nobody has ever said like anything like racial slurs to me, anything like me personally. But Hopefully it stays yeah. that way, though. It's been pretty good, just because I think I come from an acceptable background. You know, non-black people find it pretty easy to accept me. I think my accent and, like, my form of English isn't really, like, particularly, quote-unquote, black. So I think I've just been able to get away in that way. I lived a long time in uh, areas like Brazil and Greencastle. The people there aren't as uh, modern as city people. Their psychology is still, like, back in the day, sort of. So, like, when they see a person from the city of like Chicago or Cleveland, they're not, they're like, it's foreign to them. It's like, you're like an alien. Well, I've been uh, both honored, persecuted, hated, uh, like in a lot of ways I've been pictured because of that fact. Because I mean, I've seen for myself, jobs get taken and brought to majorities over me and given to majorities over me versus me who had been there for three months, stuck by the GM side and I didn't get anything. Thankfully, not terrible. There have been times where I've felt just a little bit disadvantaged, but it hasn't been something that has really altered me personally. Definitely could be better. I probably do have it better than most people, I would say, but I have experienced like discrimination, racism. I mean, at this point in time, like which black person hasn't, sad to say, but that's just the world we live in, honestly. I mean, it sucks, but I don't let it like limit me. What should be done at the political level by policymakers or community grassroots organizations to ensure a safer future for black people? Representation, number one. Making certain centers in certain places for those deeper helps rather than it just being a one-size-fits-all. Oh, the NAACP, there's your stop right there. Go there. They'll help you. Something we all probably have heard of by this point is police brutality as well. I think that treating not only black people but every other minority equally is really important because, I mean, we're all in this together. I think they should be knowledgeable of it at least be interested in the way that person lives or, you know, the culture, you know, the way that person feels and, and care. Yeah. Give an F. <laughs> Give one F, yeah. Not a failure grade, but like, yeah. <laughs> when we understand that after the race, there is the person and that's who we have to learn about instead, then that's just, again, where I think we're going to get somewhere. It would be nice to see more people that look like me in those kind of political seats 
just because like the laws now are so outdated and they're rammed by heterosexual cisgender white men to be specific. So it would definitely be nice to see more colored people to run those positions. I feel like that'll make a big difference. Capitalism is the downfall of black Americans. One thing about equality is we have to treat everyone the same. We can't give anyone benefits and anyone disadvantages. I think the biggest thing we could all do is learn about not just the history, like what makes us sick, like diseases that we're prone to, you know, and what goes on over there, maybe malaria, sickle cell disease, things like that. You see what I'm saying? I think it's it's more to just our history that we can learn about black people. We gotta be more inclusive in everybody. And it's not even, honestly, we talk about black history, but it's not even just black history. We have to be more inclusive with every race. Every type of sexuality too, everybody should be more inclusive to me. What they can do is, on top of giving the holidays, on top of giving the months, understand that black kid in sickle cells deal with a lot of pain. And he's not susceptible to drug addiction just because he comes from a bad place or a bad home. It is nice to see a little change even here in Bloomington with them naming Jordan Eagleson. I'm still getting used to that. And I've been in Bloomington for four years now, uh, which is kind of weird, but it's nice. It is a nice change. I guess small steps. I guess we just gonna have to keep going like step by step, which is okay, I guess. What do you envision for the future of Black America? I want to see more Black people in power. When I have kids, I want them to grow up knowing like, oh, there are Black kings out there, Black Black queens out there, all that type of stuff. So that's what I want to see. My peers, I hope they take over and prosper, especially with the Black community here, because the population is really small. More accountability for like, especially the ones that acquire the freedom when they have dollars, more accountability for their failures and helping the ones that aren't making it and getting on their feet. The ones that, you know, the ones that uh, they're actually trying. Like there's there's no type of system on, you know, the rappers like big money bag, yo, on him trying to help a brother that's, that's actually trying to get into school. To not be okay and accept the bare minimum. I feel like we accept the bare minimum. We're okay with it, which sucks and I feel like we only accept it because that's just what's given to us is the bare minimum so I feel like we only take what we can get. That we can become a greater part of this country not just a minority. That everything Martin Luther King said would come to pass like everything that he said in that speech that day to come to pass. It's like 2022 like it's a whole new world. I guess I hope to see a reality in which we are detached from the idea of our race because I think that the idea of being black is kind of it really only exists in juxtaposition to like whiteness like when I'm in a room of all black people I don't really feel black I just feel like a person so I'd like to for us to just be become people. This has been Voices in the Street, WFHB's monthly public opinion feature of candid, local commentary about our world today. Voices in the Street is a volunteer-powered joint production of our news department and youth radio program here on WFHB, 91.3 and 98.1 FM, Community Radio.